What are your thoughts about midterm elections in the market? When rates go up, bond prices go down. Cash is not trash. In the long run, politics is either a headwind or a tailwind, hopefully not a detriment to doing business. Good day. Today is Monday, November 7th, 2022, and this is The Bash. Welcome to The Bash, where we bring the analyst and planner to the table to discuss relevant financial and investment topics. We're going to have 60 seconds to discuss each topic. Scott, my man, the analyst, it's November. I'm going to jump ahead for a little bit. Any big plans for Thanksgiving? Great holiday. Spend some time with family. Watch some football. But when it comes to the food, not a big fan. A lot of unorganized plates. It's a mishmash of food everywhere. I can't really create an organized, properly allocated plate for myself. So I'm out on that. All right, Scott. Lucky big thing, turkey. I hear the prices are high right now. So maybe you and your family will go out and you can just pick something else to eat. And we talk about prices high. Let's turn over to, of course, the Fed. Fed has been dominating the news throughout the year. So we're going to focus on the meeting from last week, coming off a big meeting where they raised um, interest rates by another 75 basis points. And this was expected. And the market seemed to be okay with the outcome. I'm not so sure. So I turn to you. What did you gather from the meeting last week, Scott? Well, Matt, uh, investors may have begun to uh, look beyond current inflationary pressures. Uh, markets are forward-looking, always. Asset prices uh, tend to reflect uh, what may happen over the coming months. And investors are continuing to look ahead towards inflationary readings that will be better than what we've been experiencing uh, so far in 2022. Now, the Fed's current rate hiking cycle, we're hoping to see an end to that in the beginning of 2023. So investors are beginning to look ahead uh, while we're seeing um, economic data cool from jobs and housing, we are starting to see some indication that policymakers uh, will have the ability to um, pause, pivot, whatever you want to call it, change their existing stance in terms of raising rates. Uh, we're going to continue to watch. Uh, we continue to have caution, uh, but we're going to continue to report to the investors on what we see happening, specifically with this hottest topic in the markets for this entire year. Scott? Talked about the markets. I'm going to go back to a little bit. You touched on the economy. And as they've been raising rates so rapidly over, I guess, this year and even before then a little bit, there's a lag. That's the key word lag here with how it's affecting the economy. And after the meeting that we turned to this past Friday, we had a jobs report and we're starting to possibly see that lag come to more current effects. And the Labor Department Friday showed employers added 261,000 jobs in October compared to 315,000 jobs the month before. And chief economist of payroll processing firm ADP um, spoke and said, we're seeing signs that some of the Fed's rate hikes are actually creeping in right now. And she thinks that this would be early signs that the policy is having an impact. So that lag is maybe finally starting to trickle in. And these recent hikes could likely dampen the housing market, corporate activity, even consumer spending in the coming quarters. So now, as we continue to raise the rates, and they may do it again in December, how's this going to affect the economy? We're looking for that soft landing. Here comes your a dismount. A little bit of a struggle here in practice. No problem. Meaning that we want to see gradual changes to the effects on the economy, but not have a full-blown recession. And 
it may have already started this past Friday. Let's wait and see. And, you know, we look forward to what goes on the next few months and some of the inflation data that comes out during that time. Yeah, let's hope that that data continues to cool, Matt. That would be good moving into 2023. But I want to pivot here to another financial topic uh, that's very hot, especially this time of year. Uh, And I'm talking about harvesting. Now, I'm not talking about myself harvesting crops, but instead uh, plucking losers, because I'm talking about tax loss harvesting. So Matt, tell me and our viewers what it is that we look for in planning and how do we help our clients with tax loss harvesting? Scott, you went right to it. What is it? So let's read a definition for tax loss harvesting. Tax loss harvesting is the timely selling of securities at a loss in order to offset the amount of capital gains tax due on the sale of other securities at a profit. So think of if we're meeting with a client, Scott, this has happened a few times this year, and they have substantial gains could have come from selling their business, a property, or even another stock or their company stock. Now we have to help them first determine is this short or long-term gain. So I'm going to focus on a long-term capital gain. That is when the sale happens more than one year. And the client now has an opportunity to offset or have a net out effect where they can come to us, look at assets we're managing for them, and we may have allocations or positions that have losses. And if we sell those losses, we can net out that effect. And if we wanted to, Scott, we could buy back that position in more than 30 days to avoid the wash rule or even reallocate to other options that are similar or even we're rebalancing based on their strategy. What about you? Uh, Matt, when it comes to portfolio management and rebalancing, uh, there are different methodologies that are used by asset managers. Some rebalance on the calendar, such as quarterly, uh, and some use specific rules uh, regarding the portfolio as for rebalancing. But during good market times, when uh, equities are up, uh, I typically see a tax constraint with our investors, where they may have owned a security for a number of years that has appreciated in value, and now they have a uh, embedded capital gain that they really don't want to sell and pay taxes on. Then we come to 2022, where we've gone through this dramatic bear market, and we've watched a lot of those tax constraints become tax opportunities. Clients held on too long. They didn't want to sell, pay the tax. Now what happens? They lost the gain. They may even have a loss. Congratulations. You played yourself. They could take that loss in 2022 and look forward. Reposition, rebalance according to the future, moving forward and not anchor to the past. Sky, great work. As you always point out, as the analysts are looking at more of the opportunity going forward. So thank you for that part. And Scott, let's turn our attention back to the headline news. And I think we're going to get a little crazy right now. Challenge accepted. Mm. We're going to dare to address midterm elections that are occurring tomorrow. We do not know the outcome, right? Because as of this taping, it's before the elections, but all right, hold your breath. What are your thoughts about midterm elections in the market going forward? Midterm elections, politics. Ugh. Uh, it's a fragile topic. Um And frankly, it often causes uh, smart, uh, experienced, long-term investors uh, to make knee-jerk reactions. And in my opinion, when it comes to political risk, and I emphasize political risk, not geopolitical risk, but domestic political risk, um, I believe that often we see tailwinds or headwinds, meaning 
you either have a um, favorable regulatory environment with low taxes that provides a tailwind for corporate earnings, equities, or you have a higher regulatory environment with higher taxes causing a headwind. Now, is it a headwind or a tailwind that could be managed and allocated around? Is it a detriment to doing business? Or is the risk of political risk causing uh, a company to no longer have what's called a going concern? And if that is in question, well, then I would take a step back as an investor and I would be cautious. I would look at that holding and evaluate as to why is that risk so present that the company that I owned may cease to exist because of political risks. There'll be a clear answer as to why. But to really ride that pummel horse and look at both sides, I do know that in the long run, politics is either a headwind or a tailwind, hopefully not a detriment to doing business. Um, hopefully I answer that with uh, a lot of sensitivity to right now, because again, toxic environment. And um, that's the world we're living in right now, Matt. What are your thoughts? Uh, it's more polarizing than ever, my thoughts. And I want to zoom out. We're zoomed in. I can't turn on the TV without a political ad. My seven and five-year-old are asking me about politics just from watching TV. But I'm going to focus not on policy, but instead on history. And I want to go over an illustration of how the markets performed during and after a midterm election. So I want to turn to this illustration and show you S&P 500 index intra-year pullbacks versus the S&P 500 index return one year later. So you can see every four years, the midterm elections, there's been volatility. And on average, from 1950 to 2018, there is a 16.3% average pullback during this time. What does that tell me? There's uncertainty. But look, one year after the low date, there's an average return positive of 37.2%. That tells me clarity. That's what the stock market is looking for. It's uncertain, but then when there's clarity, policy may be in place. We may have a better understanding. So the markets and the economy and companies can get back to doing what they do best and adjusting to policy or market conditions. So in the long run, obviously policy matters, but the market will adjust and will go forward after these elections and as we go on and on. So that's my thoughts, Scott. That was a very civil conversation on politics. How about that? It was great. We're not behind closed doors, so let's, we're out in the open. Matt, again, uh, I want to go to a different topic here. I want to move away from politics, and, and I want to go back to what a lot of our investors uh, have been asking us about this entire year, specifically around their cash reserves. Uh, they've been talking to us about how they're watching rates go up, yet they're not earning anything more on checking or savings. They're paying more in terms of interest rates on borrowing, but they're not receiving more. And we look at that as the cash yield. What are we doing about that from a planning perspective? Or what can we do? Scott, there are many strategies. And I want to focus on what we have been doing with clients are U.S. Treasuries. So let's first review what U.S. Treasuries are. They are Treasury Securities, and they are one of the safest investments as they are backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government. Treasury securities are divided into three primary categories according to length of maturity. These are treasury bills, treasury bonds, and treasury notes. Why are we talking about treasuries? I'll tell you why, Scott. Did you know 
that the national average interest rate for savings accounts is 0.16%, according to bank rate as of November 2nd. You talked about how borrowing costs go up. Banks are not rushing to pay you more. Now, you may be able to get more on the savings online. We're turning to treasuries. I'm going to focus on six-month bill right now on the two-year treasury note, each offering about 4.5% right now. So when we have a client that has a lot of cash on the sidelines, they may be invested in the market, or they may want to be conservative right now, we can take a portion of their assets, and we can look at their time horizon and liquidity needs, and turn those cash reserves into U.S. Treasury options. This is something... I don't think I've even had or thought of this opportunity in the last 10 years, but it's time to start taking advantage of the increase in interest rates. It's about damn time. That's great, Matt. And that has to be um, what investors are taking advantage of, not, not only to earn more yield, but to also keep up with their deteriorating purchasing power uh, from inflation, that basket of goods that they can buy. And when I look at cash reserves, uh, I like to look at it from a three-tiered approach. And when I'm speaking with investors, uh, I will often say to them, look, you want to have liquidity for a rainy day, but that's different than your cash reserves. Sometimes you want to have reserves that aren't invested, but they're still earning you yield. They're keeping up with that inflation rate that is destroying your purchasing power. So a three-tiered cash reserve would allow investors to have a rainy day fund by keeping money in their checking or savings account, maybe equivalent to a multiple of months of their expenses. That second tier reserve, that may be for liquidity that's designed for a year or two out. You may use a higher yielding money market. You may use some shorter term T-bills or notes that Matt, you were just describing. But really the purpose of that, of that intermediate tier is to generate a little bit more yield. And then finally that third tier, before you get to long-term investing, it could be for dollars two to four years out where you would be buying some of those treasury notes and bonds looking to generate yield and really cut into what inflation is doing right now to the U.S. consumer. Appreciate the advice. And I'll turn it back to, we've got the investment options here, but we just talked about cash. And in my mind, cash is not trash anymore. There are options to earn yield. So let's wrap this up, Scott. Great job as always. Anything you want to say before we go? I'm going to cut you off. You've been on fire right now. You know what I'm going to say. Stay safe and stay the course. Awesome. And I'm going to say, don't forget to stay focused, stay disciplined, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Bash. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA SIPC. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee for future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. The economic forecasts set forth in this material may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee that strategies promoted will be successful. This information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax or legal advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific situation with a qualified tax or legal advisor.